Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man with the patience of a saint and the politics of Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> so last uh, last episode, I was thinking a lot about how this seems like a bizarro version of the idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, sure. I follow you. And- and how how most it only gets worse in this one yeah, of no. it being a bizarro the idiot certainly um you know i know you've not read the idiot but we did watch at least one yeah i mean one i've become fairly familiar and, with the general the general gist of the yeah. idiot and uh just the idea that uh that that kaji is somehow a a weird christ figure uh, in that, in that he's very bad at it, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. but still thinks himself a Christ figure. Yeah, um, and obviously, Kaji is not at all messianic. I don't want to. No, there is no good reading of this movie that is Kaji is messianic. No, no, <laughs> messianic. But, 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 but I get, I get what you're saying. I, I get where you're but coming I got, from. I got this bugbear about the idiot in my head during it, watching last week's, uh, part one, and. Uh, and it, it doesn't it, get better, right? Like I mean, it doesn't get better. It gets kind of funny if you try to view the movie well, through that lens. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for just a dollar a month, you can get access to a bonus episode. It's always a non-criterion film, and supporters get to vote on what movie we're going to watch. I put together a list or take suggestions from supporters, and if supporters suggest a list, we often end up inviting that person onto the episode. So because of that, we've had a really fun episodes with supporter uh, Jason Westhaver doing Godzilla films. Uh, with uh, supporter Stephen Goldmeyer uh, talking about his favorite movie, Now You See Me. And also had a really fantastic episode with supporter Adam Speakerman talking about uh, a couple films from Buster Keaton. Uh, it was really fun. Um, but yeah, like I said, we have a lot of fun over there. We watch a lot of good movies, a lot of bad movies, uh, like the regular podcast too, because honestly... I mean, listen, yeah, they're, they're, I, know, I would not describe our... I know this our, is sacrosanct, yeah. and I shouldn't say it, but... There are some bad movies in the Criterion Collection. I'm gonna. I, I'm, I'm gonna I, lay that I down. think they're bad in f- like what 500 at best. If we're being yeah. honest, yeah, <laughs> maybe not that bad. But there, there. Are, listen, I I appreciate that the Criterion Collection has presented me with a wide array of movies, but some of them are uh, garbage movies that shouldn't be watched. <laughs> um, I agree. Uh, I think it's also probably a, a weird cognitive bias where, like, I only remember the ones I really hate now at this point. I used to remember the ones yeah, I like, yeah. and now I just remember the ones I hate. Oh, no. Uh, that's terrible, Pat. I'm so sorry. No. I'm an angry person. Uh, we kid. We kid. We kid. Probably. That's all jokes, right? Yeah. You don't have to agree to that. Uh, anyway. I'll agree to anything like at I said, point, frankly. $1 a month gets you access to the voting, gets you access to all of the back catalog of bonus episodes. There's over 50 over there right now. Uh, so, you know, a, a year's worth of content, uh, assuming that you only listen to one episode a week. But uh, 
<laughs> which is a pretty good assumption. You shouldn't listen. Yeah, to I mean, you probably hurt yourself if you listen to too many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one on the way to work, one on the way home from work. Uh, so do, two. A, do a regular so episode, a then a year. bonus episode. Yeah. Bonus uh, regular oh, episode. Okay, bonus yeah, episode. All right, all right. regular episode, bonus episode. Uh, this is assuming balanced. you work once a week, which honestly yes. you should. Good for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's. It's how it should work. Yeah, uh, yeah I like. Anyway. I like. Forget the four day work week. I want the one day work week. <laughs> the one day work week. But I, I like the. Uh, they'll probably just take it the same way they're taking the four week work day work week, where they just like <laughs> just make you time. work forty hours <laughs> you on just one work day. Forty hours of one day. It's like, wait a minute, that doesn't even work. This, this math is wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, that's all the one dollar level. Uh, it's a little above that. The five dollar level for folks who want to support us a little bit more. We do like to thank them on air. I've already mentioned one of them. Uh, our five dollar supporters right now are Stephen Goldmeyer, Eric Coronado, and Chris Otto. Thank you so much to those folks for supporting us. A little above that, we do something that I think is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard write a little personalized note, and mail that off to our $10 and above supporters. I'd also like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, to Patrick Yako, to Michael McGrath, Jason Westhaver, and Nina Bosnack, our $10 yes, and you above very supporters. Much. Currently. You skipped a step, the part where I go into a fugue state and I don't remember what I made like oh, like a day later. <laughs> if you want to see those postcards, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion. We've got all the postcards up there for sale, except for a couple that uh, Redbubble didn't feel like going to yeah, bat for us. Apparently, some, uh, Redbubble's not willing to challenges. die on the on the <laughs> on the fire of like uh, Toho, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Or apparently, to- Warner Brothers either. Toho and Warner Brothers both uh, both made claims against uh, some of our postcards, and Redbubble Toho just may immediately have had folded. a legitimate legal claim. I disagree, <laughs> but like, yeah, Warner Brothers can just just can Warner suck Brothers a dick. They are so not. full of shit. They're horrible. <laughs> In no way did they have a claim on that. Yeah. Anyway, the postcards also go up on a little bit of a delay so that our supporters get to see their new months before it goes up on Redbubble. And maybe be the only if, ones who get to see it because Redbubble might think Right, 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 right. Uh, if you head over to Redbubble, it is a store. You can buy the postcards. You can buy them as greeting cards. You can buy them as stickers. You can buy some of them as pins when the artwork's out fancy. for Fancy. They're very fancy. Ah. Uh, but that is always wonderful and fun. Christmas is coming up. Yeah, so send your grandmother know, a, a weird, a weird uh, car with Gary Oldman on it. Um, yeah, you know she'll probably like that. Everybody loves a he's Gary kinda, Oldman. Christmas he's kind of handsome, you know. We should sell Santa hat stickers that you can apply to any any of the postcards. <laughs> nice, with a yeah, face yeah, on that's it. perfect. Yeah, just put that on top. Merry just, Christmas, just scalable, scalable Santa, Santa hats. Um, yeah, and well, even, we can even get, we get, it can be a two part. It'll say it'll be a it'll be a Santa hat, and then there'll be a little says it, Merry Merry Holiday from someone who knows you. <laughs> Merry Holiday from someone really, who knows you. Really, just make nice. sure it's completely applicable to any card you would send. Yes, yes. Uh, anyway, again, that is redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion. If you want to support us more directly, patreon.com slash lost in Criterion. Pat, this week we are continuing through the human condition. Uh, I, I mean, mean that we have specifically. been for a long we time always now, are, but uh, yeah, thirty-seven years uh, almost. So, it's been a long ride. Uh, yeah, uh, no, we are we are continuing to watch the film, The Human Condition, which is a nine-hour and thirty-eight-minute epic film, uh, directed by uh, Masaki Kobayashi and starring Tatsuyo Nakadai. 
Uh, we are watching number two of the three films uh, because it is sort of subdivided. It's actually subdivided into six parts right, yeah. because it's based on a book that is subdivided into six parts. And each film covers two parts of the book. Film two is called Road to Eternity, and that's what we'll be talking about this week. Now, the first one I didn't mention. The first one came out January 15th of 1959, uh, whereas this one came out November 20th of 1959. So it really, it wasn't even a year before they followed right. up, released a sequel. But then it was uh, like two years 14 the, months. Yeah. Weird. 14 months. January of 1961 before the third one That's came weird. out. That's weird. I wonder what... Well, it seems like... Was it because, because it was harder to film? Were they not done with it when they... Well, at least it's the other possible. Two. We talked a little last week about how how they had like a week to edit right. the first one before before release. Uh, so it's possible that they had reshoots for the third one or something that that needed needed broken down. But it also because the first one is January fifteenth and the last one is January twenty eighth. It seems like maybe they had a plan to release one a year and then, and then for happened. some reason moved yeah. the second one up. I can believe that. I, I'm also fascinated by the idea, though, that if they hadn't, if they weren't done, that there was a there was a small slim chance where he, they like George R. R. Martin their way into this and like never released part three. And it's like, mm, well, we'll never know what happens to to Port Kaji. We, I think, and then I HBO picks the it up forty, fifty years later and makes a makes a bad version of it. Makes the prequel. Yeah, it makes the prequel. Jesus. Oh my god, Kaji what a nightmare. Ka- like Kaji's like early days at whatever like like East Manchurian Steel or whatever. Yes. Oh god, what a nightmare. Uh yeah, it would be. It really would be. No, I I couldn't watch it. I I unwatchable. So, uh plot establishment uh for those following along at the end of the last film, Kaji had uh Spent the entire film trying to make the lives of uh, Chinese slave labor better, uh, and failed at every turn. Well, not just I think because you're being very of the generous momentum of the system. To what Kaji exactly was doing? <laughs> okay, okay. That's like fair, I mean, but... I, you, you're you're definitely taking the the the, the Wikipedia reading of what of what Kaji is, was actually Kaji, engaged in. Okay, which is which what is essentially Kaji... just perpetuating the system, but like trying to like be nice about it. I guess I don't know. Ka- Kaji was very interested in uh, in uh, quelling his own conscience uh, as he. Still perpetuated the system, unfortunately, uh, but did did stand up against the system after three people had been murdered in front of right. him. Right? Yeah, really, uh, really to save fun. three other people. I uh, mean, like I guess in the of, grand scheme of things, it's better than nothing. We talked about last week, yeah. but is it really? Yes, Kaji Kaji had only taken that job to avoid getting drafted into the military, and when he stopped the military police from killing three other people. Uh, they revoked his draft exemption. And that is where we start in this film. He has been drafted. He is now in training in northern Manchuria. Uh, and it's cold. And... <laughs> I mean, it's Manchuria. And he's yeah. a good soldier. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay. So, like, boy, man. This, mo- this, uh, this movie. Like, like a uh, lot of middle parts of of trilogies that probably weren't really intended to be a trilogy. It doesn't really have a fully fleshed out, like, like plot line structure in the same way that like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's, it does not have rising action and then, and then a, a day or anything really. Um, yeah. 
so here's the thing. Number one, something I thought of. You think of this as a, a weird, bizarre version of the idiot. And it's possible that I'm also thinking of it as a bar- bizarre version of the idiot. But I actually think of it as a very dark, very long episode of uh, It's Always Sunny. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, I get it. Kaji um, cooks up a fairly represent- re- reprehensible plan to avoid something he doesn't want to do, fucks it up, has to do that thing anyway, and then like, and it only devolves from there. And everything gets worse. And everything just keeps getting worse. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's also possible that every episode of It's Sunny, It's Always Sunny, is also just a bad version of The Idiot. I'm willing to accept that as well. Uh, man, uh, t- listen. If we if we take Bizarro to its actual conclusion, <laughs> right, right, it's always yes. is actually a bizarre in, version of, in, of, of uh, in that they are all all the ironic opposite of the main character, the absolutely. idiot. Yes, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I just we talked last week about the difference between what Kaji did and what someone who actually is against a war uh, should do, right accepting that like we don't really social pressure right we don't really and know i mean we there is always there's what what you ideologically want to do and what uh what you actually end up doing are different right, absolutely but what but kaji actually does end up doing what he ideologically wants to do right it's <laughs> the problem right it's absolutely literally the problem is is the main problem of the movie and a, a fascinating yeah. thing that is that that i you know about this movie, and we'll talk about this much more extensively next week at the end of the movie. Listen, I don't want to say I don't want to say it's the problem with the movie. It's the problem with Kaji as a, as a person, right? But I yes, right. I I, agree. I think that the movie is, is about that problem. I'm still torn on whether the movie is about that problem or not. And okay. I I feel like this episode or this episode this part of the movie makes that worse in the sense that Kaji has completely. A, for all intents and purposes, completely abandoned his convictions entirely by the time we get to this episode or this uh, part of the movie. Like Kaji, ex- you know, and maybe the movie wants to be about that. Where I'm really, I think what we're going to run into is I'm not going to really get the gist of what the movie wants to say until we get to the until last we get to, part of the movie. Yeah. I, I did accidentally, by, by accidentally, I mean, I read the first few sentences of the, the last part and then couldn't stop myself and just read the rest on Wikipedia. Yeah. And I could see a world where we walk away from the final gist of this movie liking it. Yeah. Like, really, like, being, like, uh, you know, on board with what it wants to say. Or yeah. I can see a world where we get to the last part of this movie and we're like, fuck this movie. <laughs> like, I it do. really depends on how that's presented. It really depends on how the last bit is presented, frankly. Yeah. I do, I do want to say, just as a caveat, I think particularly for the way we interact with movies, there is a difference between liking it and being on board with what it says. I, yes, that's and, true. That is also and true. And we, we can have one of those without the other and have frequently Yeah, that's in the true. Past. That is true. But. I mean, my issue is that but my, my thing about this is that this movie is so particularly caught up in it in what it wants to yes. say that, I mean, they, they, that the movie has work. asked us to marry these two things together in yes. a way that other yes. movies don't necessarily do that. Like, we can be like, well, that this there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening in this movie, but it's politically just absolutely, like, just yeah, the worst uh, to us. Whereas this one, they're, they're those are those are the same things. That's all this. That's what this movie is. 
Right. Right. Because right. like from and you know from a cinematography perspective, it's really it's it's quite good. It's it's got a lot of really positive things going on visually and things like that. Although I would say that this particular this particular section gets a lot muddier than the first one does. I right. feel like the first, and that's probably just the nature of trying to film "quote unquote" war, um, is that like wealth shit gets real muddy, <laughs> like it gets real, gets kind of, gets less like less contrasty and interesting as we move into this part than than the first part was visually. I also, think. literally muddy at some. That's what I mean. Yeah, too, I mean but, like well, literally uh, like when you start trying to film people who are ostensibly wearing camouflage, <laughs> shit gets a little difficult. Yes. 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 Uh, yeah. Now, I. Given that this movie is made by people who were military age in the forties, um, I think it is in part apologia for uh, not openly revolting against the system. Right, right, and and Um, yeah, that's probably part. But like, yes, I yes. Uh, so and we've seen a lot so of movies that. that were kind of that. Like we've we've <laughs> right, seen quite right, a few movies right. that are a lot of that. My issue where I think we're, we might run into a hiccup is it offers up a world where it sort of presents a world, and, and we know this because like this is also like semi autobiographical of our our director. Uh, yeah, it, we run into this problem. It's like, yeah, but the solution you ran upon was to pick neither A nor B. Right? It was just a sort right. of like be semi shitty at the thing rather than like to be yeah but not not even be to be a really really good private is well is i mean the choice if we're talking Kaji about makes. right is the choice that kaji makes i don't think that's the choice kobayashi made these are this is where they diverge like descriptions of kobayashi yeah. is that like he just kind of like absolutely refused to be good at this so in many right, ways those right, other right. characters that kaji is defending are probably more accurate to kobayashi yes. than kaji himself uh in right. many ways Right, and Kaji being our main character, I don't know, just the way that this movie presents the last movie, I feel, very much showed that Kaji was not noble in what he was doing. Right, yeah, well, especially the way it, it, it ends, and, it's, it's, and it really yeah. brings home the fact that it's all about that draft exemption. Right. Like, that it's just, that's the, all that really matters here. The first section of this movie... I feel like goes out of its way to try to show that Kaji not only just still views himself as noble, but is noble in that, in that he refuses the violence of the army itself, the internal violence of the army itself, right? while still becoming really good well but see that's the, the external violence the of the, the army to me though the movie plays a trick on us that is important which is kaji's never also put like the second half of the movie kaji quote-unquote sort of chooses non-violence right because he actually has the power to do violence but doesn't do it that's fair in the first part of the film well, well he, he, he does he, later i know okay, I believe, okay. We're gonna he does get do it to it okay so, kaji does a lot of violence yes. and kaji is yeah. is Kaji's morals just go absolutely out the fucking window later on. But like, yeah. my point yeah. is, is that in the second half, the first half of the second half of this movie, when yeah. Kaji is a is a is the trainer, he has the ability yeah. to choose violence and chooses not to do it. Uh, right. He's put right. in a position of power and chooses not to be violent with it. 
not not that that's all that's all great shakes because like yeah duh you shouldn't choose violence but like he doesn't go the the sort of like repetition of what he experienced route but like the first part he has no power to choose violence in the first part he is he's bottom of the rung in every regard for for the society he's in so like kaji choosing not to do violence is kind of no great shakes he doesn't I mean, he could in a world where we're talking about like Kaji could choose to do violence and then get locked in the brig, and then that's how he spends the rest of the war. Congratulations, right. Kaji! You've found your way out of murdering right. people. Right. Like, but right. again, Kaji, you don't care about murdering people, <laughs> not really. Yeah, yeah. as demonstrated um, <laughs> later on. <laughs> well, he has he has emotional reactions to murdering people later on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> his emotional reactions are. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but I mean, we'll find so, out. Sort of, that's a third part of the movie, sort of thing. In okay, ways, I think. So, section one, we do get Kaji contemplating deserting repeatedly, yeah. never actually doing it, but contemplating it. Um, and then he's got the the friend who who actually attempts, and then uh, Kaji basically just runs after him to make sure he'll be able to get away. Uh, is is how that that sort of chase sequence functions? Yeah. Um, because the the very the very violent uh, private who is in charge of all of these recruits uh, is also chasing after the deserter. Uh, I was a little disappointed uh, in the plot synopsis, particularly on Wikipedia, but some others I read too, that described Kaji as actively letting that guy die. Uh, it is it is a little weird because he does. The, the the scene gets a little little muddy for lack of a better term but like <laughs> yes. he he kaji fails at rescuing that guy primarily because that guy i guess interrupts him it's a little, a little strange how kaji ends up back in the water um yeah if that guy pulls him or if that guy if that's just an accident is very to me was visually very right. unclear yeah they kaji pulls yashida out of of the the mud puddle that they're drowning in um and then uh, Yoshida jerks in a way that could be him just spasming or him trying to fight Kaji. Right. It's really um, hard to tell. And they fall back into the water. And Yoshida drowns after they fall back into the water. But even then, Kaji, while struggling to get to the edge himself, is dragging Yoshida with him. But actually, he doesn't drown. Because right. the guy Yashida. he's with, they describe it as the guy you're with, you were with, died of hemorrhagic fever. Yes, because they were rolling around yes. in a very filthy mud puddle. Right, probably right. they didn't of, actually like, drown. The shit of various and animals. The, and the nurse, in fact, nods at an off-screen bed when she talks right. about the guy you were with. So, and we're assuming so, that's not the uh, the his friend that was trying to desert. We're we're assuming it's Yoshida right. because that makes more sp- sense in terms of like Kaji's like smiles and shit after that right he's very vengeful right. pleasure in that. yes yes kaji kaji is happy that this man has died which is which you know what i mean the guy rejoice is a, in the death of an oppressor i i mean the guy's a bad guy like sure. don't get me wrong like, the guy's the bad guy uh it's just funny because like kaji doesn't my issue is okay we're gonna get into like a, a, one of the issues is kaji doesn't apparently Kaji has taken a different approach to what the, to what we're talking about in many ways. Like Kaji doesn't seem to view it as the oppressed versus the oppressors. 
Not right, really. Right. And that's the problem. Kaji is taking a really Kaji's taken a even by humanist standards bad like yeah. I even fall fairly high up on the humanist ladder in terms of like my own politics. But like Kaji has like kind of even misread that text in, in many ways and has decided that like gone for this sort of like all life is noble. Like I even had to save the person who will absolutely shoot me in the face, sort of sort of vibe. And and like <clears throat> So Kaji like should feel based on everything we've seen. Kaji should feel bad that Yoshida is dead, but is instead pleased, which makes his character. I mean, it's more complex, more interesting, I guess, as he is slowly sort of developing grudges throughout the movie and and a, and a more uh, <laughs> and a sort of more rounded character with regards to his view of various people in his world. Yeah. So in. Uh... Last week I talked, you know, I I contrasted Kaji's character to uh, people from my religious tradition who who were killed in American prison camps uh, because they refused to go to war. Uh, This this particular incident in the movie reminds me of another story of uh, of an Anabaptist, Dirk Williams, uh, who uh, died in May of 1869. So he's uh, a little older. Yeah, been been Um, gone for a while. But but Willems, Willems was arrested for being an Anabaptist, managed to escape, and was running across a frozen river. Uh, and Williams, in his having been in prison state, dressed in rags, uh, very easily made it across the river. But the guard chasing him uh, fell through the ice. Mm-hmm. And Willems turned around and rescued the guard from drowning in the ice. And then he was immediately arrested and executed the next morning. Right. Uh, Anabaptists tell the story of Williams as as the the ultimate uh, love your neighbor, uh, save save your oppressor, uh, as as loving your enemy. Um, and in the particularities, um, saving the guy whose job it is to rapture uh, catch you. He's not right. I mean, you know, we don't. He's a, he's a cog in a machine anyway. Right. We right? don't really the guy, know the, the particulars. Guy, the guy on a deeper right. level, obviously, because it's a <laughs> yeah. it's a sort of anecdotal sort of thing at this point. <laughs> right. Like, right. That guard could have been yeah. like the nice one. That guard could have been like the one that like fucking kicked him every right. day fifty times or whatever. We don't know. Right. But whatever. You know. Right. Right. Um. But in any case, I I was of course reminded of 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 Willem's story in watching this section of of the human condition, and. The Anabaptist version of nonviolence is often uh, personal a violence. Uh, it is it is uh, a version where 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 you reject the violence of the state and violence in your own life, but take a sort of hands off. Will go in and help out the victims. Response to right. actual oppression. Uh, this is thankfully changed in a lot of Anabaptist uh, realms in the last, let's say, hundred years. Right, because that's like, uh, I mean, yeah, that yes, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, because because that is not that is that is the difference between uh, pacifism and nonviolence, as far as I use those terms. Right. usually, uh, I often still use them interchangeably, but this uh, this aversion of violence versus the active use of uh, technique to undermine violence. Uh, 
Willems was not undermining violence. He was putting himself back in danger. Uh, after miraculously escaping. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> Which it's, is... it's, yeah, it's not a fundamentally sort of liberative, uh, like, right. anti oppressor stance. It's like. Right. And, well, and, and that's, you know, we don't need to spend too long on this. But, like, no, we no get but into I, a, I do. An issue of if one is worried about one's soul versus if one is worried about, like, mankind as a sort of holistic right, concept, right, right? right? Like, like, that's. That's where you kind of get into that. Well, I need to make sure my soul is like in the right, right place, sort of idea. You're like, okay, well, that is a fundamentally, in many ways, can can very easily become a very personal okay. thing. So there is, there is a character in the Willems story that is maybe too much like Kaji, and it isn't Willems, and it's uh, it's the bailiff at his execution who okay. is so saddened that 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 Dirk. Having having saved a man has condemned him himself. The bailiff is so saddened that he says to the executioner, "Please make it quick." Oh well, isn't that nice? That is very <laughs> yes. much Kaji. Make sure your blade's very sharp. And chop this man's yeah. head off. Yeah, uh, or whatever. I'm sure, it's not head. I'm yeah. sure it wasn't beheading. Uh, I'm it, sure it was hanging. It, I I believe it actually was oh, beheading. Uh, they they did that a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was a very, very common for for early Anabaptists to be beheaded or burned, uh, or drowned. Were were the the three normative ways that they were killed by, and then sometimes Catholics some mixture of them for for spice and flavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, for the ones who couldn't be killed by natural means, you had to <laughs> right, do all right, three. right, right. It's like well, in case they were really truly in league with Satan. Uh, yes. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I me- I mentioned that to say. Kaji allows an oppressive force. Kaji doesn't even... And Kaji has no actual uh, decision-making in this process. He tries to save Yoshida. He does. Right. Um, in the hopes that Yoshida would be redeemed. Um, or at least punished, actually, is, is his hope. Because right, when he like, first pulls him out, he says, or whatever, yeah. he says, I'm only going to rescue you if you turn yourself in. Which, yeah. which okay, <laughs> like... Can we... We don't need to focus on this too hard, but like it always kills me in movies and TV shows where the person's like, "Well, I'm going to save your life if you promise to do X." And it's like that person has no incentive to actually keep that promise post being saved right. from drowning. <laughs> right? It's whatever. not like you're going to come back and kill. Yeah, him it's like, well, I, I'm going to throw you back in the river. It's like, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, well, I always like, find that a very funny thing because it's like. It's a thing in movies a lot, and I'm like, but no, why would you do that? Like, why would that be the well, phrase Pat, that you, like, use in, in the real world? Pat, that's because you have no honor. Uh, uh, I don't. <laughs> neither does Yoshida, very, very clearly. Uh, Obviously, yes. Like, that's so the it's other very thing. strange. Like, the, the system we have seen Kaji interact with so far would not punish is, is, Yoshida, in, even if he confessed to no, this. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so, well, like, that's the thing, right, is that that's, that's, I mean, oh, my God, this movie, I've got a headache now. I'm just going to lay down. <laughs> That's the problem, right? Is that Kaji still seems to want to operate within that system, despite That's, seeing multiple times the system will never self-correct because it is, is actually operating as intended. One hundred percent. Kaji's problem in this movie is that he still believes in the system, and he believes in being a good cog in that system, uh, while still somehow being against the bad ends of that system. Well, and and that and that's where the, to me that's where Kaji's position and maybe we'll see again with the ending of the movie, like the actual proper ending of the movie. Yeah, in the third act. Where the third where we run film. into this problem where like 
that's where Kaji gets the most confusing is right here at like the sort of second middle-ish to second half of the second half of this movie where yeah. even in the first half though it's like Kaji's actively trying to be a good soldier yeah despite believing that he's involved in an unjust war and that it's it's all everything that's happening think, is wrong I think narratively Kaji being some sort of savant marksman despite the fact that we have no indication that he has ever trained with a gun before he is the best the best shooter right. I think I think Kaji being a savant marksman is a narrative way to undermine any claims that that Kaji is just a coward right right and um, yeah I think so too but I feel like that it also like because just, he's because he's still manly but um, also and, like Kaji is just a coward but like yeah. let's move on to the fact that like <laughs> We we know this from part one, but like, like the other thing. But right. the thing is, is it's. But also, I feel like okay, yes, but not a yes and yeah. yes, but <laughs> I feel in this part of the movie, the movie is playing into something where we really get heavily into apologetics for the people who had to serve that like didn't quote unquote believe in the war that like you know yeah. within within our own movie production staff here even. In that it's like, well, once I was drafted, I had to, like, I wasn't gonna do a bad job yeah. and hurt. And I had my fellow. Once I got soldier. drafted, right? Once I had, once I got drafted, I had an obligation to protect my fellow soldiers. Right, exactly. And so I uh, had to, I go, oh, I'm not gonna be the best. I'm not gonna get promoted, but I'm certainly not going to be derelict in my duties or something like that. And it's right, like, right? Come on, man. I think, you know, Kai. Kaji says it a couple times himself, more or less, and then he meets uh, he meets that Tong or Tonge uh, in the in the hospital, who explicitly says punishment should be to regulations, and that's that's it's the most where, yeah. yeah yeah that's where this movie where where Kaji falls in this in this this part of the plot, and and even in the previous part is that uh, his. Modus operandi is we should live up to the ideals we have written down, um, and you know to a to an extent that is that is the same thing that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said. We should be true. Right, to what, right. Yeah. All we ask is America to be true to what it says on paper. All men are created equal. But but this the regulations here themselves are bad. Right. I mean, yeah. The, <laughs> the difference, regulations. The are difference between Martin Luther King Jr. and this is the fact that like. That, he's Luther talking King about Jr. a document is... that is very like aspirational right. in its language, yes. despite yes. representing just the wor- some of the worst of humanity. Uh, right. Whereas this is like talking about like army regulations as though they were written by like saints who like yes, like well, I mean he they brought us the books from the mountain and then we just didn't do what they told us. Like no, it's like no, no these fair. are just dudes who wrote these things. To be fair, in Japanese society, uh, as long as the the emperor has signed off on this, they were written by the hand of God. So, well, uh, yeah, I mean, like army regula- like we, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. yeah, like army regulations are are a weird thing in this situation because, like, well, even like the one the Manchurian one was even weirder in many ways because, like, well, we're not following our own rules inside, and like constant obsession with like, well, you're going to be brought up on murder charges, and it's like again, system operating as intended here, like, right. Right. Like right. and and that's where we get into this problem where it's like until we get to the end truly like legitimately we are kind of stuck. This is probably the going to be the worst one in this way for sure. Like the first one kind of had its own arc in and of itself. 
the problem we're running into here is that like we won't really fully understand our director's vision of what's going on until we see it sort of laid out for us in the third act, right? Because well, like like I can't tell right now if the director believes what some of what Kaji is saying or not. The I don't think he does, and here's why. Because there is an arc in this in this two set in this film. And that arc is Kaji deciding that uh, he will uh, he will live to the ideals of the regulations right. and the ideals of Japanese society and be a good soldier who cares about his fellow soldiers, even to the point of defending them from fellow soldiers who do not care about fellow soldiers. Right. Uh, and the inevitability of that, I'm going to be a good cook and keep my head low to actually committing violence and committing violence, not only against the enemy, but against the friend. Right. Yeah. Because and that I, is the I, end of this movie. Yeah. I, and I understand. I, I'm just saying it's a very shallow, it's a very shallow. It, like, I think it doesn't have a, the arc is far, quite shallow is what I mean. It, does, it doesn't not yes, have it does not have the, it does not have the same drama as the first one. Certainly. I don't think, but, uh, but there is a, there is a character arc here yes. and it is Kaji getting worse as a person. <laughs> Um, well, and, and but the thing is, is that like what I mean though by we won't understand a hundred percent is I unfortunately previewed the the last part yeah, semi unintentionally, yeah, and where I'm where I'm struggling now mentally is that I feel like in the end the sort of fundamental claims that the movie will be making are we are not going to agree with. Well. Because I, look, I think I what look, they're well, but where I feel like this is headed in many ways is that like a more of a condemnation of the idea of having ideals than it is a condemnation of like specifically Kaji's ideals. I do. I want to take a step back there because I know a little bit about. I haven't read the full plot synopsis, but I know a little bit about what happens in the third act. Um. But I still want to be clear that everyone involved with making this movie believes it to be an anti-war movie. I understand that. I I agree completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've I've also seen Full Metal Jacket. Um, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I that is not, a that is a I'm statement without meaning. Okay. Like that is a statement, honestly, uh, speaking, without meaning. But my my point is not that like I don't think they're not making that. I my my point is like I think I they are. My issue is that when we watch. Kaji's arc in here he you're right he goes from like trying to be like the best like being a good soldier and follow the rules and that should like carry kind of carry me through despite the fact that like the first part gives him no indication that that's a true fact about the world he lives in at all like the first part of even this particular movie like the second part um he he should know by now that like trying to be a good soldier within the system will will net no no positive result for anybody. Right. Um, no, I think that is, having only viewed the first two parts, I think that is the point of the anti-war aspect of this movie, that even good men, and Kaji, Kaji is a good man from Japanese standards. He uh, is supportive of the system, even if he is not supportive of the war. Well, He is, he is a good fighter, even if he uh, is a... That but, is... But he loves nonviolence. Uh, <laughs> that is a very specific, like well, that. Well, I've got. We got to take a step back because I that is a, a very specific, specific representation 
of a certain way of understanding masculinity in Japan from a certain group of people. I know, but, but this movie is being made by that group of people. Right, and that's so, my problem. Yes, Those gr- no, that group of I, people are my problem. I'm not, I'm not saying that's not a problem. What I'm saying is that their point in making this movie is that uh, <clears throat> war corrupts even good men. Right. Into okay. making them be so, the inev- inevitability of committing violence in war. Right. And so where we're, we're running into a problem is, is that the fundamental statement being made by the movie is that war corrupts even good men and that Kaji was a good man. Kaji yeah. is fundamentally not a good man. <laughs> right. We disagree that, with the And that's with the what I'm talking about. That's what that I'm that saying is, is that the movie is, going to, is laying out a pattern of, of sort of like downfall for this kind of good man but but they're starting from a premise i cannot get behind right right and that's that's where it gets a little complicated i i do think the movie wants us to know that kanji is not as good a man as he believes himself to be right and so his collapses and so that's that what that's what makes it complicated but i don't know that but in that way i think it to a certain extent gets more into the autobiographical elements of the movie in the sense that like these are also men who have come to to terms with the fact that like they did things that were morally reprehensible to themselves and are therefore not right. good men so they've shadow they sort of reflected that back onto the to the to the walls of the of the first part you right, know what i mean right, right. and have painted kaji as, as imperfect even by their own standards because they view themselves Again. as imperfect even by their own standards Again, as I already said, I believe these movies are apologetics. Uh, but well, and, and so, but that's you know, I that but that was the point I was making is I do believe there are, yeah. but I think we need to lay out specifically our arg- argument for why they are apologetics. <laughs> Just saying right, they right. are apologetics is not good enough. <laughs> we I, need to articulate that yes. argument because that's my fundamental. With that's I talked about this in the first part when we talked about the first part, and it's only my feeling has only gotten stronger that like. This is sort of the epitome for me of Japanese post-war anti-war films made by liberal directors being sort of general apologetics writ large for an entire class of people who are sort of ashamed of what happened, but also were a part of what happened. You right. know what I mean? And, and there, there's a certain sort of problem to that. And we've seen ones that are not that, as we've talked about. And I don't know that this movie seems like it's ever going to get there. Right. We'll see. The third part the, could get way more brutal, and it could absolutely get there. Here's here's where I see the ideology here, is that it is still... Kaji is still a slave to honor. Yeah. The honor here is to his, uh, to his brothers in arms. Not not to the system, but he is I'm, still... I'm not 100% that's sure that's true either, though. I think until the very end, when he does kill one of his uh, co-workers, I almost said... Yeah, co-workers. Um, but, <laughs> which is technically Fellow true, staff. but a weird way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Um, until he kills one of the other soldiers in order to protect himself. Right. Uh, he... Uh, and others. I mean, there are others. He's well, and I think that, I think that's how the that movie, guy. to a certain extent, hinges, yeah. hedges its bets a little bit. Is like, oh, but and there are other people yeah. to protect you, right? And that's you know, he is throughout the movie. Kaji is ineffectively trying to protect people who are not as noble. Uh, well, no, 
not not as noble who are who are less privileged than he is um noble in the sense of the nobles not right yeah noble like in the noble sense of actually being noble. instead of like noble the <laughs> yeah yeah um, uh you know people people who have it worse than he does and are not as as good at being in the system as he is uh he is attempting to protect people with less power than he has which is a good right but he's doing it in a bad way uh because he's still trying to work within the system to do that right and again what what he does with the bad recruits in the second part of this movie is just a rehash of what he tried at the prison camp, absolutely right and and the it's movie the definitely wants to sort of have a sort of parallelism yeah throughout. that that's fine i i totally read that's fine that reads fine we all can like as an audience that makes sense like structurally the movie does have a nice sort of symmetry that seems to be working out throughout like kaji always ends the second the first part of the second half on a fairly like begin ends it and it begins on at least a sort of semi up note and then it like devolves from there yeah. um the the interesting I mean, there is well so the my, the point i was trying to get to though to a certain extent was is that i'm not convinced it's not just protecting his fellow soldier though there's a certain sort of like valorous Japanese soldier aesthetic that they're mm-hmm. sort of playing with here. And I don't know if they're playing with it in the sense that they want to like make it like kind of put the lie to it or if they want to emphasize it. Like he's not, it's not just that he's like trying to protect his fellow soldier, he also is just like being a good soldier. Yeah. You you know what I'm saying? And there's a problem there. Those are not the same thing. Like, it's that, like, and, there is, and it's even seems to be for less purpose than when he was working for the, the right. steel company. Because the steel company, he knew that there was a direct trajectory, like, oh, I'm being put in this position. Like, when he was just working in an office, he was just like quote unquote doing his job. Yeah, but when he was when he was working at the when he was working at the steel company, it was all it was still uh I've devised a way where we can increase profits and not absolutely. Hurt like I mean, Kaji's problematic so, all the way. So he was just but... being he was just being a good a good employee, a good manager in in the first part. Yes, I, and, and now then... he's being a good soldier. He wants to be he wants to be good in whatever situation he finds himself in, even though the situations he finds himself in are not places where you can actually be good. You can be maybe marginally better, but you're so far down the scale of good already that you're not right, actually right. being and, good like, in acting in that situation. Right, and and the point I'm trying to make though is that like we're kind of we run into this sort of problem where our, our vocabulary like fails us to a certain extent. It's like there's good is in like trying to be like po- like a positive force on the world, which Kaji right. believes he's trying to do, but is is not. Yeah. And then there's also being like good at your job, right? And like and. Kaji wants Kaji, to be good at his job in both places. The difference is that, like, Kaji's three is ten steps closer to a place where being a good at his job is a really, really bad thing to be right, for society. Right. Kaji, Kaji exists in a world where being good at his job uh, is not morally good, but he still believes it is. Right, um, and and that's and so, okay, so taking that, there is a very specific line of thinking, a very specific kind of Japanese mentality. It is not as I. It's certainly not across the wall. It, 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 there's a million different ways yeah. to, for people to think. Of course, but of course. like very specifically, I think among the men who are involved in making this movie and these kinds of movies, 
that is also a moral good. Being good at your job is a moral good, regardless of what that job is. And Kaji portrays that. Like, yeah. I don't think they're commenting on that part is my problem. Right. I think right. they're just taking that as like, well, we're not going to make him like, it, I mean, obviously it's a very different movie if he's also just a shitty, yeah. just a shitty soldier. Cause it actually becomes the thing we actually wanted to watch, which is like Kaji just, just fucks it up on purpose to not ever, <laughs> right, for right, to never right. go anywhere. Yeah. Well, we actually Kaji, want Kaji to do Kaji as saboteur. Kaji as saboteur would have been. A much more interesting movie <laughs> right and and but but i'm just not sure what i'm really getting into is i'm just it's really hard to pin down the creators of the movie and movies that have been in this vein with regards to like do they understand that being a good soldier or being a good cog in the machine was fundamentally morally incorrect yeah and i don't, don't want to i don't know you know you've you've laid that at a a particular uh mindset within Japanese culture, but it really is oh, just I know the Protestant not. work I, ethic. I, it's just the Protestant work ethic. Yeah, it's, I know. You know it, it's it the backbone of, of Western I'm culture, too. I'm right? experiences but, I've had in this country yeah. with regards to, like, God. people trying very hard yeah. to be good at their job, even though their job is clearly, like, it's, not helping people. Yeah. It's God one, God wants you to be the best policeman that you can be. Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's absolutely. It's, people do, come like, yeah. all lots yeah. of culture. I've just, I'm specifically coming from a place of, of knowing course, people who would who would view Kaji as, like, Noble right. in his willingness to be a good cog in the machine despite well, his moral objections to the thing. Yes, yes. But while you are doing a very good job of saying that this is a thing that exists within Japanese culture but is not indicative of Japanese culture, I want to, I just, in my own caveats, want to say it exists outside of yeah, Japanese culture too. Totally. Um, and we need to understand that. This is, not, this is not something that is intrinsically Japanese in any way either. No. Now, there is a point where Kaji actually verbally says I sold my soul for a military exemption yes and when asked what that means he clarifies I mean I should have rejected war completely uh but see, yes you should yeah, have but now here's act the thing. like it Kaji's still in a position to do that right and does not act and on does those, not do it on and that it, epiphany it's wild it's this is really like in fact in fact becomes a battle hero after he has that epiphany right yeah it's it's <laughs> wild like it's like you can just stop. They might yeah. shoot you. They might not. If you <laughs> plan point, it right, they probably won't. But but also at this point, what do you lose if they shoot you? Well, absolutely. Well, we can talk about this when we get to the final act in terms of like you know, I yeah. I there's a there's a calculus that he could have done. And then he very clearly did, the character did do in the first part of this, like the first movie, yes. which is like, well, Japan might win this war. And if I reject military right. service completely, right. I could be I in jail for the rest yes. of my life. Yeah. And, 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 and of course, we can agree that, that yeah, that is still the right answer. Um, and, you know, but like, especially as he moves into the second part of the first movie, where you get into this thing, well, now he's married, and he has this wife, and he has to take care of this person, and, like, it would be a betrayal of her to, you know, to, to do that now. As we get further and further down the line, it becomes more and more obvious, even to Kaji's character, because it's said outright several times, like, we're going to lose this. Like, there's no benefit in, like, right. not going to prison, because guess what? Like, probably going to die. Like, the chances on me yeah. dying has, has skyrocketed exorbitantly. And right. the chances that, like, 
the the military war prisons will be liberated at some point by people who will view people who lay down. Well, who knows what they're going to think about people who lay down arms? Because as it turns out, Americans just generally treated them as though. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh-huh. Good on us. Like, oh, the objectors of war. Well, they're still problematic because we don't like people who object to war. Also, um, right. But that's that's a whole other thing, right? But like, um. My point is that, like, uh, Kaji's in a position now where he should just, like, his his best choice is to just, like, one day refuse to, to get up and fight. And just, like, right. let them cart him off to the brig because, like, there's no downside now. Yeah. You're a deserter, yeah. but, like, guess what? Like, you're going to die anyway. Right. And with the exception of Sinjo, who runs away, uh, everyone we see punished is not punished for objecting to the war they're punished for being draftees who are bad at the war because they should never be fighting right yeah <laughs> being like 45 they're late war years draftees. old yeah yeah they're 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 the also rands of the also rands yeah <laughs> um, i mean uh, yeah yeah absolutely it, it it's just fascinating because like kaji like doesn't act when when the like when the sort of like for lack of a better word the iron is hot right and like yeah it's like, no, there's no downsides here now at this point. Even if they shoot me, it's not worse than what will happen when I get shot by the other guy. Right. Um, now, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we could have better sold that he is still trying to stay alive in the hopes that he'll see his wife again. That's true. That is um, true. I mean, yeah. But, like, again, we also see people get thrown in the brig a fair amount yeah. in this movie. So there's also a really, like including a person who becomes insubordinate a bunch of other stuff like that. So like we kind of also get the impression that like maybe he wouldn't get shot. Hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh I don't know. I feel like there is reality to being so depressed that you don't want to contact your only loved one even as they right. uh, write no, you I, multiple I, letters. I understand that. That makes yeah. sense. The conversation with Kajayama, his friend who shows up as a commanding officer. Yeah. Um is uh is interesting to that regard that you know he he reveals that Kaji has not been writing back to Mishika through the second film uh, Mishiko through the second yeah. film um after their very dramatic yeah i mean i think he's just first yeah he's just you know yeah. i mean i i get that he's incredibly yeah. depressed and like right right to a certain extent like that's that that part doesn't read badly or anything like that, but like it gets more confusing in the sense that is like there, he's so depressed. Argument mm. is there an argument to be made that that Kaji's so depressed he's just burying himself in his work? And that's I mean, why it's possible. I mean, there's it's there is there is an argument to make that he's like the only way he can like not think about what's happening <laughs> is to just not think about what's happening. Uh, yeah. And just turn into sort of an automaton. I I don't know that that would make you an excellent soldier as much as a passable soldier. But right. um, yeah, the the thing about it is is that like, I I mean that that's probably like the more one of the most human parts about this section in many ways is that is that we get that sort of like by 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 centering this part so much on the war, and then sort of a parade of people we don't get to know very well. We we do kind of run into this problem where like, th- I don't know this part feels significantly more hollow to me than the first part did. Right, like it just it. I can't. I 
it's well, much harder to get on board for no. the whole story arc in many ways. Why this part feels more hollow is that the first part at least ended with Kaji standing up for his ideals and taking a right. punishment for it and saving some people. Whereas the end of this movie is that Kaji has no hopes of standing up for his ideals. Right. He, well, has, he has murdered multiple people. You know, yes, some of them in an act of war, uh, but one of them in an act of murder. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean that's true, but I felt hollow as we as we progressed through it too, partially just because like we we kind of to a certain extent don't believe in the conservation of characters in this part of the movie, and we end up with yeah. a, with a lot of soldiers who I have no particular attachment to, and that's I mean that's sort of a, just a storytelling problem in that way is that like from a purely like just movie making standpoint, this part feels weirder because like it's really hard for me to lock down all the people. That we're dealing with because we've split it into two halves, and the two halves have fundamentally different characters. Yeah, that that don't that don't overlap really, and so we run into this problem where it's like they're really the two halves of this one are two different movies. Where in the first one, they're not really like it's the same. It's a sort of evolution of those characters rather than like almost two different stories. There's also an element of our focus on uh, on our are bad soldiers mm. on Obara, uh, even before the bad recruits, the old recruits, you know, the 40-year-old right. recruits show up. we got Obara, who is nearsighted and can't can't do this. Uh, there, is, there is very much a difference between saying, uh, you know, what those soldiers are doing in this part of the movie is not an argument against war is an argument against a draft yeah <laughs> yeah very, what's our argument yeah very well, that's thing. very true that is absolutely true yeah um and i would and, and and as we progress in this section of the movie in many ways what we end up with is also not an argument against the war as much as it is an argument against shitty military leadership also true like as we move on and like we just see like rank and rank and rank above of people who like are just sort of fucking it up and like don't care about the people underneath them that's an accurate statement about the army don't get me wrong but it's also not anti-war it's just anti like the army we've made right right but that's based on like sort of sort of honorable rank and not and no no sort of no uh no sort of upward ability to disagree in any capacity it's like cool you've also just described every army ever not just specifically the japanese army they're all bad yeah i agree all armies are bad But also, generally, that's not the same thing as all wars yeah. are bad. Right. I generally liked the scene with Kajiyama in the officers' club, where he is yeah. uh, arguing with the other officers. Well, that's one of the better that, ones of those. That yeah. the war is already over and we've lost. <laughs> right. And, that, and we yeah. see the person he's arguing with get blasted later on trying yeah. to urge his troops into a meaningless charge. Yeah, but also... Kajiyami dies. In yeah, Kajiyama <laughs> dies. Well, he also dies off screen, which I feel is like a movie saying a slightly different thing. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? When a movie right. says, oh, well, he died and we didn't see any of it all at all. He's just died yeah. off screen. And a movie's like, hey, remember that guy that was arguing with him about like whether or not this war was futile? Watch him stand up, say, charge, man, one last time, and then get blasted. Right. That's a different yeah. thing for a movie and there's, to do. You know, again, you can't actually make an anti-war movie that shows war. Uh, no, it's impossible. But- Big problem. They tr- the movie did it. They do try. They do try pretty hard to make a blackly absurd uh, fight sequence 
as as multiple people say say uh one last charge, charge and yeah. then die or yeah. or no i'll be okay and then immediately get blown up by a tank right yeah that's uh, that's true i mean they they're going for it i mean uh i i would say that like they're also like i said they're going for that whole like well the army's stupid with like every every person kind of filing an objection with the person above them and that person saying no i'm right do it this way and that yeah. way being patently obviously going to end in everybody's death uh, like I said, they're making very much clearly an anti-army film, which, right, right. bear in mind, does line up with a very specific sort of under, like post-war understanding of the war, which is the army sold us a bill of goods, and here we are right. paying the price now in and the I, post-war. Right. And I don't think that Kaji being the only visible survivor of this battle is the movie saying Kaji's idealism rescued him here, or his no, ideas were the so. right no, kind no, no. of it is. It, it's saying, it is hey, we bad. have one more part of this film that needs to be <laughs> right? made. We've, so, we, so we need our main character to still, he be, still alive. Needs to be alive. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Um, absolutely. No, I, I, my, yeah, I just, and then like that's kind of where I was. We were going with earlier is that like that by making Kaji a good soldier by like a by a cog in the machine standpoint, it sort of feeds back into that idea that like oh it wasn't us it was the army that was the problem right, right. which is a very very specific post-war sort of like sort of i like thought process that existed among certain groups of people that like did it res- did result in like support for disbanding the army and and a lot of positive right. progress in japan in many ways but fundamentally, under, fundamentally believe that the soldiers themselves were good. Right. It wasn't the soldiers. It was the sort of air quotes army. Now, mind you, every single person in that line was also a soldier. That's where this sort of this, this logical process sort of falls behind. It's like, well, yes and no, right? Because how officers are made and stuff yeah. like that is always its own special well, thing. But, you know. What we get, what we get from the first movie too, is not just that it was it was the people in charge of the army, but it's the people in charge. Period. Well, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, I agree. Like I meant specifically this section. The the, the first yeah. part is is kind of making a sort of a pseudo pseudo like anti like corporate hierarchy like in charge of like right hierarchical society argument, but very very like like limp limp limply you know what i mean it's very much like right, right oh well the people in charge are bad yeah cool yeah you're not wrong maybe, now do maybe, something maybe, about now it. let's take that one step further <laughs> right. therefore we should do Remove whatever they tell from us. power yeah oh yeah i'm sorry i got that wrong um no. uh but yeah um yeah, this uh, this part is frustrating. Well, uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, not to go back a step. Sorry, I just thought of something yeah. else. I'm I'm just gonna just I'm just gonna you can just just wait a minute and I'll just take over this entire episode and I'll okay. let you talk. By all means. Uh, no, I, I I'm just being kind of a jerk is all I'm saying. I'm talking too. You're much. not being a jerk. But you should talk um, more, please. What my thought process on that though is also because we had this sort of like it's the it's just the machine is that like you'll also notice that. The only people who ever turn on the army are doing it out of cowardice and running away. Yeah. No single, like, there's never an officer or anybody who's like, no, I will not 
who, who like orders his soldiers to lay down arms, which would be in direct contraband to his orders, but would right. be like an act of sort of like more sort of quote unquote altruistic valor to like save his men. Right there, the people who the abandon the war always do it out of pure cowardice in this movie so far. They never do it because they think it will save the people themselves or the people around them. I mean, well, they think it'll save yeah. themselves because that's what that's the, the point of the right, cowardice. Right, right, but like, right. what I mean is like, there are we're presented with officers who make valid arguments for why this is a bad idea. What we're doing is a bad idea, and then they still valiantly charge. They never, no one ever says, "Guys, we're surrendering right now." <laughs> like, what's happening right now is we're all going to surrender because like, this is not going to end well. We're all doomed. The orders are wrong. We're surrendering. We don't get that. Not even Kaji does that. Like Kaji, right. in theory, probably could have saved his entire squad by telling these people who mostly are like sort of followers of him, barring the one guy, like, guys, we got to surrender. It's over. Like, surrender. He doesn't do that. He doesn't even do that. It's like he doesn't just lay down his own, not lay down his own arm. He doesn't even take the step that could actually save his fellow soldiers. Not right. really. And I mean, yeah, they pro- they might get shot, but like that's that's it's no more a gamble than trying to continue to fight the war. Right. Right. If instead of choking that man to death, they had surrendered in that moment, uh, and. You know, of course, we know, looking back historically, that the Soviet POW camps in the Manchurian campaign were not good places. No, to be. no, no, no. Yeah, and <clears throat> and and I'm sure but, they're very scared of them. I'm sure propaganda was definitely telling them, "You don't want to do this. This is going to end badly." Yeah. But like, you're face, you're in legitimately the rock and hard place scenario here. Like, right, right. The best one of your best outcomes is you get shot at this point. Like, there's not really a, like, you're not going to, you're not going to win. So, do you th- him not doing do anything you is think, weird. Do you think that the mentality of death before capture is widespread enough within Japanese society of the time that even general liberal people who would be against the war, in quotes, would would believe that in their heart of hearts. That's a really yeah. that is a that is essentially an unanswerable because okay. the only information you essentially get out of that period is propaganda produced by right. the military. Like there's essentially no there's no other ideas available because there's just no, yeah. nothing else was allowed to exist. And then right. everything else is made post war with people who are looking back with 2020 vision on what they did and what other people around them did. And are therefore taking that contextually into what they say they would yeah. have done or what they should and have I, done. And I would 100% do not want to put a universal death before surrender onto the Japanese people no, and of I, World I, War II. I mean, yeah, so basically uh, the answer that, is Because that not. justifies some pretty terrible things that the uh, U.S. government and, did. I mean, the so. answer is certainly not. It is not universal yeah. to any regard. Uh, yeah. But, like, how if it, I, if it was widespread enough within the ranks of the army that, like— and then you get into these really shitty anecdotal things about like what Americans wrote about the war, the battle at Okinawa right. and stuff with regards to how yeah, Japanese but, behave versus but like how the Japanese also, wrote about it. And... Also, no one verbalizes that in this movie. Like, no one offers that as a justification for what happens in the end. No, here. but I feel like it's taken to a certain extent as as a as understood. Yeah, and, and, and like 
I, I just keep coming back to like essentially a couple different people in this movie. And one of them is obviously one of them is Kaji and Kaji not ordering the people around him to surrender. People who are th- in theory underneath him to surrender. Right. And that's a big problem. But then also like we get into like they they just never they never present us with that kind of person really who would rather save the lives of his troops than even if they're going to like hellish POW camps than to just throw them at the at the the wheat grinder and like that person and I guess to a certain extent that it's it's all in service of like making the point about how dumb the army is but in the end you just get a sort of this weird version where like we see three different people do that thing like well let's throw our men into the meat grinder and not a single person say like well maybe we should just surrender here like maybe it's time like people surrender during World War II like <laughs> like if nothing else to put to the, the point to what you were talking about earlier Japanese prisoners of war were a thing that existed yeah like people surrendered like yep. so like the idea that there's none of those people in this entire scene is is I think mostly in service of making sure that Kaji is to, is more about the telling the story of Kaji than it is about telling the story of the war that these people were fighting in. Yep. You know what I mean? Because like certainly somebody should have surrendered, even if it was like off in the distance or something, or 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 even if they shot him when he tried or something. But nobody tries. And I don't know. I just feel like you know the ending with with Kaji saying, "I'm a monster," and great, you've already been a monster. Yeah, we man. we knew that. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm a monster, but I'm gonna say stay, stay alive uh, as justification for accidentally choking to death uh, in the heat of the moment the man in the foxhole with him. Uh, Honestly, the logical the logical self preservation choice in that moment is surrender. It is not right. It is unless we're just assuming that like Kaji's just lost all of his wits and he's just now operating on some weird like fight fight or flight instinct, which is okay. Maybe I buy it and believable. Yeah, I buy that completely. But like Kaji had a fair amount of time where he clearly was not operating under those characteristics, and then chose option C. Yeah, allowed allowed himself to get to the point where that became the inevitable right. uh, choice. Now, <laughs> obviously, time compression with a narrative, sure. Uh, but I think it is a little silly that Kaji chokes a man to death so that he won't be captured. And maybe it's purposefully silly. Chokes a man to death so that he And then immediately be, gets out of the foxhole and runs away 30 <laughs> seconds later. Like, you and were starts, making enough noise that we yelling. were all going to die. And then I got out of the foxhole 30 seconds later and started screaming and running. <laughs> yes. I don't know. It's That is a bit silly. Like, that does come yeah. off as silly. I don't think it's intentionally silly. I think it's just like... Well, I think there's enough intentionally silly in the war scene. Yes. That, that the absurdity of the war is... That is just another aspect of the absurdity of, the, of, of right. war, period as far as our filmmakers are concerned. Well, so. and, and it's it's all very strange because somehow I guess him and his uh, fellow soldiers have gotten behind enemy lines at this point because they just well, rolled be- over them all. <laughs> yeah, because the, the tanks rolled right over them, yes. 
<laughs> they are behind enemy lines because the enemy has advanced over top of their position. Yeah, and so yes. I guess at this point, Kaji's just running randomly through like what is now the, like the Chinese state. Like, yeah, is now within their in the, within let's, their purview. Let's not. Let's not. It's not the Chinese state. It's it's Soviets. Well, it's, I was a bit confused because like they are they are. I got. It is my understanding confused. that they are Soviet soldiers. I thought that was clear. Well, they did that say the Soviets that. were invading. But then Manchuria. I thought somebody said something to the effect of like, I thought like at some point somebody said something to the effect of like, the Soviets have given the Chinese a bunch of weapons or something. I I thought like, maybe I read that somewhere and just like took it into my head. Like I somehow thought like, for some reason like it was some sort of joint force or something like that. I don't know. Do you? Hmm. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know why that got into my head. For some reason, I thought like it was in some way like that, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's fine if it, it doesn't really matter in the end. So I, don't now, I mean, know now they're inside the, the Soviet state, whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, I think I think the Soviets wanted Manchuria, but I don't know what the Soviet relationship to China toward the end of the war was. I'm I've never um, been very clear on that. I mean, like I know that they were. I, I I'm fairly certain I've read that they were at least feeding uh like into Mao's and like the whole revolutionary army right like at least supporting them like somewhat log- logistically yeah i mean they were soviet support of other communist revolutions is exactly known uh and we've talked about I mean, this is just yeah. not an area of expertise for me even yeah. a little bit so i have no idea i just thought for some reason that that's what i read that like it was some sort of weird like joint attack or something i don't i don't know why i got that idea it doesn't really matter to my point cuz my point was like kaji's now just aimlessly wandering around a hostile state yeah like, just screaming yeah. In, which is just very funny which whichever hostile state it is it yes. is still hostile and it is still not not japan controlled manchuria yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, I'm just. I'm also just very unclear on how how the revolution uh, interacts with World War Two. And uh, well, I the only thing I, wise, the, the so. only thing I know about it literally is the fact that I went to Taiwan once time one time and like <laughs> like read a blurb that I've half remember about like. Basically, one sort of rolled into the other of pushing Chiang Kai-shek out into the out to the sea. Basically, yeah, was like yeah. th- like there was kind of no cessation of uh, hostilities there. It was like, oh well, like we're gonna we're gonna wrap A inside a B inside of A and just get this all done at the same time, kind yeah. of thing. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, it's half remembered from a thing I read over a decade ago. Probably a plaque right. in Chiang Kai-shek's like. Fucking burial yeah. palace thing, which is yeah, which is its own, uh, it's its own thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lack like, of I nuance. Mean, like, yeah, uh, it, for sure. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, because I visited his whatever that thing is, his giant yeah. tomb. I don't know what you would call an enormous burial palace thing. <laughs> there's, I'm certain there's a term for it. I just can't remember what it's called. Um, uh, we could genericize Taj Mahal for him for that. Sure. Uh, it's just his or own pyramid. Yeah, his, his own his pyramid. pyramid. It's yeah. definitely not pyramid shaped. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, no, it's just like one of those things where like, um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how any of it all connects. But like, the point is, is that like, it's sort of silly, right? Because the army can only be like, what, like, 
maybe the like maybe half a mile away at this point <laughs> when he stands yeah. up and starts screaming and running. Uh, you know, so they have not. Assuming, none of that happens very uh, very slowly. Yeah, assuming they were moving very quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. The, at most, they're half a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. I hate what I hate when I watch uh, sequences like this is that I immediately start thinking about the ways in which uh, uh, Kaji and his men uh, were just bad at strategizing. Well, like, I mean, yeah, the, the thing, yes, absolutely. But like it's my, also imme- like, yeah. my immediately thought isn't, isn't actually, well, now it's, like, now it's the best time to surrender. Do it. Uh, it was, it was, they've walked past you. Why don't you just shoot them all? <laughs> well, right. Yeah. No, I mean like, yeah, I, we, you and I have both played way too many video games at this point. Like <laughs> right, we start, right. an- I have the same problem. I start analyzing the strategy of like a movie that's a hundred percent does not need me to do that. <laughs> right, I can't right. help it. It's, it, I do the yeah. same thing where I'm like, no, Pat, stop it. Um, the thing. Okay. So I, I remember where I was going with a point I was making earlier. Okay. When I talked about how. The makers of the film may or may not, not to like constantly harp on the same topic, but here we are, view Kaji's con- con- like willingness to be a good soldier, a good cog in the machine, as val as as noble as a as a as a valorous action, despite the fact that he's a cog in a bad machine, mm-hmm. um, plays into a point that we are talking about later, where we talked about how like you can't make an anti-war film. Not really. Certainly not one that has any shooting in it at all. I feel like this plays into the same problem, is that like by creating that kind of character in this film, they they are, are inherently sowing the seeds of their own failure at making an anti-war film. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Because yeah. they're they're like they're they're creating the cool scenes in your in your full metal jackets or your or your like uh uh, or your or any any particular war film your your um I can't remember the name of it now uh the, with the the Vietnam one the the with the with the helicopters and the it's a <laughs> apocalypse ba- now yeah apocalypse That's now man my brain completely they've created the scenes that people they've cr- by by making him valorous in his willingness to be a good soldier despite his disagreement with fundamentally what's happening and stuff they've 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 themselves whether they know it or not, have created the thing that will automatically make this a thing that somebody could watch and walk away going, yeah, but, like, that's what you need to be. Like, that's the, – the, they've created the thing that, that somebody can hold on to to turn this into a non-anti-war film. It doesn't appear to be what happened because, frankly, there's plenty of other films to choose if you want to do that than one that's nine hours long. Yeah. But but my point is they've sowed that seed there by by making it – like by giving anybody who wants to take that kind of message from the movie something to hold on to, they've given them the little the little handholds that allow them to have some, like well, but but Kaji's a good soldier. They've created that themselves. I just think it's fascinating that like you can see that happening almost like live <laughs> in this movie to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I want. I want to like this movie, but it's got a lot of work to do in the third. The first I mean, maybe it'll section. accomplish it. I mean, who knows? I mean, I yeah. think what we're going to run into is I think I'll in the end like be okay with the movie 
as a movie. Right. Right. Like right. I don't see anything right. wrong with them. I, I pacing is iffy at times. It it in this movie, I will say, it is it is iffy at times. <laughs> it like I don't know. It's fine, but what I mean is like like I said, the first act is so feels so much better paced than the second act to me. I think that's fair too. That like it's just it's a it's a really long downtime at the camp. Yeah, it, so. it just spends so much time. It, it, I it's fascinating because the middle section of a movie is the most likely part for things to get slow and get bogged down, and then this movie is broken into three parts, so we're watching the middle part, and the middle part's an entire movie, which is the part right. that's most likely to get bogged down, and so it's just. It feels like to me this this part feels like it's kind of one at times quite a long bog down because it's the yeah. middle part of a middle part which is the part we're talking about where we get to the camp and we just spend a lot of time we kind of get a lot of repetition of the same fundamental problems and conflicts to try to like that we all got the first couple times it showed up we didn't need to do it 10 times we could have done it 3 but then this part of the movie would have only been like an hour and a half total for both parts yeah. instead of being three hours long. I will. Um, I talked earlier about reading Kaji as messianic is a bad reading of this movie, but I gotta, I gotta say there are, there are aspects here that, uh, that maybe uh, make that sort of reading too easy <laughs> <laughs> in that, in that the, the change of the change in Kaji's, prospects mentality of this film where he moves from having no power to having a modicum of power where he can do good for others maybe but he doesn't actually end up doing that uh is a baptism slash resurrection where he almost dies in a puddle uh (laughs) yeah yeah uh i don't i just in the end when kaji kills his first soldier and we get a look of horror on his face but he still keeps shooting and still shot to begin with is, uh, I don't know, just sort of undermines everything for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, so. and that's what I'm saying is, like, I don't think you and I are going to walk away. Like, <laughs> yeah. we have, the problem is, is that now we have, I, I think the problem we're going to run into, and this may happen to us again and again and again going forward. We have watched Japanese anti-war movies now. We finally yeah. have found them that are by our our methods of analysis actually anti-war. Yes. And so all the other ones may, to a certain extent, if they follow the sort of more mainstream path, feel hollow compared to the ones that are like legitimately feel anti-war. Yeah. Instead of being anti the army that got us into the war, are legitimately anti this entire thing we're engaged in here. And and that, that difference, I think, is 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 going to cause us problems not just in this movie this movie is obviously a very long example of that but i suspect yeah. we're going to keep running into this problem uh oh no doubt and i mean we've run into it with other films that are non not japanese anti-war films so the problem is is that uh european and american anti-war films take a very different tack because they're not made by a party not made by a group of people who also regard themselves as having lost this war as well. You know what I mean? We, we've we almost exclusively, uh, beyond the Japanese war films, watched movies by, without, with the exception of the Italians, we've mostly watched anti-war films by groups that consider themselves the winners. 
in many regards, which has it paints the whole thing in a different light, right? Um, yeah. Because the way that you understand what happened during the war is really very dependent on how you feel it all sort of shook out, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I just, it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, we're going to watch the end of this one, but I'm actually more looking forward to, like, the next time we watch a Japanese anti-war film and see if we end up falling on similar critiques because we've just broken our own brains at this point by watching movies that were just too fucking good at actually doing what we want <laughs> right, them to do. Right, right. Well, I just see what what comes up next as far as, uh, you know, Japanese anti-war films. And, and listen. I've I mean, because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I've certainly got a lot more respect for Japanese post-World War II dealing with the war than, say, uh, America or well, England. that's that's you know that's so, where I was kind of going with it is the fact yeah. that like if you take it from the perspective of you're the winner, it takes it's it's just different and like you know we've 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 not seen that many of those really and there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I think we could probably pull this episode to a close, and uh, you know we don't. <laughs> We don't have all the introductory stuff to talk about with this one, and we don't have all the postscript stuff to talk right, about right. as we will with the next one. So, uh, so this episode was already going to be a little a little lighter as the middle episode, just from a logistical standpoint, but also from the fact that as the center of the narrative, it is maybe a little lighter too. Because I don't know, I, I focus. A <laughs> You're not going to let it go. We, we gotta I don't know have, that I want to let a little it bit go. more episode. Maybe I, I I want a little more episode. I, I uh, mean, but I'm I'm struggling because like. As far as the middle part, like, my verdict mentally has come down. I mean, okay, anything else we talk about is going to come to the same conclusions. There's just more to talk about. Like, okay, sure. like, how, like how Kajigami, the only, uh, the only officer to express that the war is already over and we lost, uh, dies off screen when the Soviets invade because he got sent to the North uh, right. yeah. <laughs> in order to die. Right. See, but he I feel like sent. the movie writes that off. The movie doesn't yeah. want to engage with that idea. Like, I mean, I feel like that's one of the more confusing parts of this in the sense of the movie. Like, you would think that this movie would want to talk about that, but the movie clearly doesn't want to talk about that. Yeah. I also, I also he didn't think die because he was disagreeing with the war. He died because of just the same other well, reasons I think... we have in the rest of them. I don't know. I think he got like because he went with he was, the rest of the troops at that camp. Like that's fair. That that camp is empty now. Yeah, they sent the they sent they half sent... of them to go dig ditches. The part that was yeah. in charge by Kaji to get him out of the way, and then they most certainly the army that the, they've already identified as being stupid called up it's... the rest of that that whole barracks and sent them off to go die, being murdered by the Soviets. I'm just saying I don't think Kageyama ended up in that situation yeah. because he was anti the war. I think That's literally fair. everybody at that base ended up dying right. one way or the other. Like Because every soldier in, in Manchuria was sent to the was sent to, to the, the front. Yeah. The front. So there yeah. was no retreat. Uh, and so you okay. end up with that. Yeah, that's fair. Um it is fascinating that they don't engage with it at all. They don't talk yeah. about it, they don't show it, they don't even really Kaji barely has any interaction with it at all either. It's right. sort of like, right. What happened to my friend? Oh, he's dead. Yeah, and then another thing happens immediately after, and we just move on. And then, and then also, you're going to go die now. Yeah, so, um, I I do think it's actually kind of interesting that uh, the ditch digging is the most idyllic 
uh, part of, of this, this movie. entire section. Yeah, <laughs> of this that, section that of is the fascinating. Film. And they have this sort of like brief moment of like reprieve oh, while yeah, they're being like, punished by this is what ditches. our houses will look like when we go home. Yeah. There'll be weird holes in the side of the mountain, and they actually. They actually relate as a community for a moment, right? Or like, like, oh, you're gonna get married. You should. This guy is a is a carpenter. He can help you build the house. And I mean, yeah. you're all fucked, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, even even as it is for uh, what will be atrociously bad news, them all running through the field when the when the truck pulls up at the end and, and wants them all to fall in. It's just it's very it's very idyllic and. I mean, obviously, under under Bedham's better circumstances than they may have uh, been forced into, this is the sort of thing conscientious objectors are normally forced to do, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, like, if they had all just absolutely refused arms right. uh, ideologically uh, and were in a system where you could ideologically refuse arms, uh, they probably would have ended up doing this. And they would still have been offering material support to, right. yeah, to the I mean, war effort, I think, which is which is where we get into whether I think I don't, I don't know what sort I don't of conscience objecting is actually morally good, but uh. right, I'm not. Yeah, well, that yeah, versus just absolutely refusing all participation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. I can't remember. I read one time some stuff about what happened. I think most of the people who refused to fight just ended up dying in prison. But like, um, yeah. as as they do. Um, Right, but because uh, I think they're almost all sentenced to hard labor, basically, and, and that just yeah. killed them anyway. But but that does not mean that they were not choosing the right path. Um, right. Well, that is that is also a major difference in that this is the sort of hard labor that they might have been sentenced true, I just to. Wouldn't have been but doing it on the front, but they're actually because like right, that would be and they're a also place to send all the people who don't want to fight. They're also still being fed. So. Yeah, that's also <laughs> like, true. That's all. That's actually a big difference. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just fascinating because that section, like, what I think they're actually trying to do is make sure that we all feel feelings for all the troops that are going to get murdered yes. in the next section. We're about to be completely slaughtered. Yes. And it, and it kind of does. It, it sort of, again, we run into the problem I complained about earlier from a purely movie-making standpoint, which is there are just too many of them. There are a lot of characters. And in I section. just can't keep track of them. It's very dark most of the yeah. time, so I can barely see anybody's face. A lot of... A lot of people's names we're supposed to know suddenly, and uh, and and just not yeah. given enough time to spend with them to actually get their names. The only one you end up getting, the only one that I end up getting is the ones that ended up dying off screen anyway because they were right part of right. the group that didn't get sent with Kaji, um, which is yeah. fascinating in and of itself. Um, one interesting thing is the fact that this all this whole section was shot in Hokkaido because Japan had no relationship with China at the time. Zero. Of course. None. Of course. Yeah, no, I'm not saying they right. should. Like, obviously, right. clearly, that's of course. But the the same reason why there are no Chinese actors in this film yes, is also the same reason why it's all filmed in Hokkaido, which is its own sort of fascinating thing. I don't it's not, not that you can make a lot of it, but there's a sort of meta commentary in the fact that, like, oh, yeah, we're not welcome in any of the places we want to make this film about. Right, right. Like, of course not, and and won't be for a very long time. Like, have decades before we're going to be welcome in I, any of these places. What's more fascinating to me is the fact that like that change in relationship happens much faster with the Soviets than it does with the 
with the Chinese for for obvious reasons, considering everything that Japan did in China. Like, there's obvious reasons why that would be the case. But because we read about things like uh, Kurosawa going to the Soviet Union to like work with Soviet Union filmmakers and things like that for like sort of right. cultural exchanges long before you sort of Japan having really any meaningful re- interaction with uh, China as a as a as a state. And again, as I said, there's obvious reasons why that's the case. There's no reason why that wouldn't be the case considering all the atrocities that were committed. It's right. just there's something interesting about the fact that like, oh yeah, we want to make a movie about the war we did. Yeah. And we and of course, we <coughs> can't make it in any way meaningfully authentic because we did a war. Yeah, we did the bad still, thing, and we can't do we can't undo the thing we did, but we want to make a movie about it, and like, I don't know, something about that messes with my head. This idea is like, but we really want to make this movie. And it's like, yeah, but you can't because you did the bad thing, so maybe you just can't. <laughs> I don't know. It's really weird. I just it gets into my head, and I can't like it, it does the, this weird thing in there. I can't. I can't. It. I think it's a it's a British comedian, um, but I can't remember who it is offhand. Uh, but he's got a stand up bit about uh, how America America will come to your country, completely destroy it, and then ten years later make a movie about that how completely destroying sad. it made their soldiers sad. Yeah, and and that's and honestly, what this is. That's what this that's is. What this is. It, it absolutely <laughs> uh, is. It, it is. And there's there's just an inherent sort of problematic nasal gazing to it. Naval, nasal, naval gazing to it. <laughs> that is, that is. If you take it, if you take, if you remove yourself one step further and don't talk about it as a f- anti-war, pro-war film or anything like that, this sort of like really fucked up thing about the idea, that like, well, it was really shitty for us to do this war against these people, yeah. and that's why we can't film there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, also, since you mentioned Kurosawa, we should contextualize. That was also 15 years after this, so like I understand know, that. There's a but, lot of, but if there's a lot of, there's a world of change. There is in a that world decade. Of change. My, so, and and there there we talked about you know, you know, after Stalin's death and the thawing and all this other stuff. My my point is that like that I don't I'd have to look at the timeline, but I don't know when the first chi- Japanese film shot in mainland China was, but I feel like the relation. It's just interesting that like. You know, that's just an it's just an interesting thing. I'm just saying. Right. It's not like Japan has good relationship with, with Russia in general. They fight over those fucking islands all the time. Right, 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 right. Like constantly. Uh like currently even. Um but you know, it's just it's just interesting to me. It's like it, it, there's just this sort of weird thing that you if you take one step back where you're like, Okay, like, yeah, but we really want to make this movie about how how shitty this was for us. It's like but you know you can't do it in the place because it was you made it really, really bad for these other people that are actually the people that should be making the movies, right? Yeah. yeah it's just weird. It's just it's dumb, but it's a thing that kind of fucks with my head. Well, this uh this episode we've been talking about the middle section of the human condition, uh subtitled Road to Eternity. Uh and while No Greater Love had, had a clear illusion, I'm not sure what Road to Eternity is referencing, if anything. I don't it might know. Be, it might be unique. Uh, next week will be A Soldier's Prayer, the final section, which came out, as we said, 14 months originally released after, after this section in January of 1961. Uh, 
look forward to finishing it off with uh, one more uh, <laughs> three-hour film. Uh, this yeah, one, cool. this section, this section was twenty-five minutes shorter than the first section. True. And the uh, the next section is only nine minutes longer than this section. So we do uh, we do have something Ooh. to look forward to, and is not as long as the first one. Uh, but uh, but given given where the situation here ends and what little I know about a soldier's prayer, uh, it will be uh, a much more uh, depressing. <laughs> Yeah, of film. I, know, I I I was worried. The reason I was worried actually to read ahead was more concerned that like I would like make it even harder for myself to watch the movie. Right, right. But right, now right. I find myself somewhat intrigued by finding out like, do they redeem the story that I'm not really particularly pleased with the way they're right. telling it or not? And I do feel yeah. like the last part could really make or and, break that. And to be fair, if you accidentally led, read the plot synopsis on say Wikipedia. There's enough issues with the Wikipedia plot synopsis True. that I think there's much there's like a dictionary and its views of, yeah. of various words. Wikipedia yeah. also has some plot synopsis weirdness. Yeah, there's a there's leeway where it could go different ways. Uh, but anyway, next week we will finish the Human Condition, uh, directed by Masaki Kabayashi. Look forward to uh, to learning the ending of this film to I guess thoroughly decide what we actually think about it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Lost in Criteria. I'm your co-host Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My partner is John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and you can find him at J Patrick Dorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.